This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 41 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented folks in and around the Southern California hospitality industry and beyond each and every episode. That's right. From Orange County to Los Angeles, San Diego, and wherever else in between guests show up, this is the only podcast bringing you in-depth, unparalleled access to the bar, restaurant, and so forth, all those beautiful industries that we all enjoy all the time. I am your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend Allie Coyle for providing music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com, or you can go say hi to her and embarrass her at any of her family's three restaurants here in Orange County. Fable and Spirit over in Newport Beach, Dublin 4, Gastropub, and Wineworks for everyone over in Mission Viejo. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or review wherever you're listening to it. Helps other folks figure it out, where it's at, what to listen to. Helps us with our analytics and the back-end stuff. And go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. I am so happy for episode 41. Um, the cool part about doing a podcast that's your own is you're not beholden to anybody. Um, I can have on whatever guests I want. I can present kind of whatever material I want. Obviously, it's up to me to put together a show and the type of content that I hope people will listen to. And if you're hearing this now, thank you for doing that. Um, but again, you get creative control. When I say Orange County, the rest of Southern California and beyond, this is very much a beyond episode. Um, my guest for episode 41, that's right, multiple, actually for a couple of minutes, there's three of them because it's a baby for a little bit, but we'll get to that later. Uh, my friends, Tanner Terry and his wife, Angie, um, they are Orange County hospitality veterans, both of them. They've done time in restaurants in Los Angeles. Um, before they moved to Miami, they were doing a lot of work in Laguna Beach over at Montage, uh, some time at Harley, uh, Zinc Cafe, just tons of great places. They're wonderful people. Um, as I just said before, they do live in Miami right now. They are both currently working in the hospitality still. Um, they are hopefully going to move back to Southern California one day, but they were back visiting family and I wanted to sit down with them. I wanted to hear what's going on in Florida. Again, Florida and California get compared to each other all the time. Kind of that coastal, you know, very nice climate aside from the humidity for Florida. So, you know, you could take that one. We went on that aspect as far as California goes. But the way that they've handled essentially what is just the entire year of 2020 were drastically different. So I wanted to see what their kind of experience was like, how things have been handled in Florida, what they've been going through personally, professionally, and as new parents. Um, there's a couple minutes in the podcast where their baby Wyatt is definitely playing around in the background. So apologies for any baby noise, but come on, you can't get mad. It's a baby. Nobody gets mad at a baby. If you got, you know, don't get mad at a baby, plain and simple. Um, but basically, I just want to hear what life is like, especially now that they're back in Orange County visiting family. Uh, when we recorded this, they had just come back for a 
long trip to catch up with a bunch of folks and see some places. I wanted to get their two cents on what California looks like. Um, everybody who's listening to this, sorry, there's a lot of ums today. I have no idea why. It's just one of those long recording days. I'm recording this. It's a rainy day. We had a bit of a week delay getting this episode out. Very, very, very busy. I feel like I'm out of breath all the time. So I apologize to the ums. I wanted to see what life looked like in Orange County hospitality through their eyes, kind of that non-jaded, you know, they're just seeing a lot of these things for the first time. At the time of this recording, nothing has reopened for indoor. I was hoping it might have by the time this episode went live. That is not the case, but it feels like we're getting close. There's a whiff in the air that we've righted the ship and we're patching the holes as a friend of mine kind of put it very eloquently when I asked him how he's been holding up with uh, the industry stuff, but it's a great listen. They talk very, very candidly and very honestly about kind of what life is like and that even when you're in a state that handles things so differently, or at least it looks very differently in the headlines and things like that, it's still the same process of just providing or at least attempting to provide a great, safe environment for guests and still putting a hell of a great time together, whether it's wine, cocktails, the food on the plate. Just all those moving pieces coming about and or not coming about, coming about in that kind of orchestra together that we all love. And that's what makes restaurants and bars so special. So again, uh, great episode with both of them. Apologies for any of the baby noises, but come on. It's a baby. Can't get mad at a baby. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy episode 41 of the Best Seats podcasts with my friends, the Terry family. Enjoy. No questionnaires, nothing else. We are going to jump right into it. Tanner, Angie, I have missed you guys. This is a fun episode for me because not only do I get to record with guests and industry professionals and veterans, but people that are good friends of mine. And I should say right up front, obviously, Tanner, you do support on Patreon. So this is not a reward for being a Patreon subscriber. This is just one where you got roped into this because of your wife. Um, <laughs> would you guys mind introducing yourselves real quick and giving a little bit of your background as it pertains to hospitality? Yeah, sure. Oh. Uh Make this as uh, clear as possible. Um, been cooking in California for most of my life. Uh, recently, just decided to move to Florida, started a whole family, and uh, that's where we've been hanging out. Uh, made our way back here to California, and we're really happy to do this with you. Uh, I've only been cooking for about like seven, eight years now. Not too long. I'm Angelica Terry, formerly Angelica Rice. Um, I'm from Miami, Florida, but had moved here to Laguna about five, four or five years ago. And over the past 10, 15 years, I have been doing a combination of working in restaurants, um, everything from host to server, bartender, supervisor, um, assistant general manager, and then also going to law school and having a second career as a lawyer. And I continued both of those things here in California. And now that we've moved back to Miami, are continuing both of them in Miami as well. So here's one of the main reasons that I wanted to have you guys on and why I love having you guys, not only as friends, but as people that I wanted to have on the show is for exactly the reason that you just kind of said, you said, I have a career, I've done this, I've worked in hospitality, and then I got another career as a lawyer. Most people would immediately kind of back that and switch it and go the other way, say, oh, I'm a lawyer, but I did this on the side, or I did this until I became a lawyer. You still have a really deep love for hospitality. How did you guys come to meet really quick in your relationship? Was it through hospitality? Was it just kind of on the side? Were you a guest of his? Give that little quick love story before <laughs> we dive into all the uh, the heavier things. So I was, it started at um, 
Harley in Laguna Beach. Um, sure, some of you maybe have frequented there. Um, I was working there first as a server, and then I got promoted to uh, basically an AGM type role. And Tanner was cooking there in the back of the house. So we worked together, interacted somewhat, but weren't super close. Um, and I came in one night on my night off as a customer and was uh, dining, jabbering on with the uh, chef de cuisine and, and making some jokes, trying to uh, fit in with my new role, so to speak, and made a joke that Tanner thought was not so funny, um, unbeknownst to me. And he immediately disliked me for it and let it be known to the rest of the back of the house. And my first couple weeks as a, a supervising role were not the most pleasant because of that. And after those first couple of weeks, I finally approached him about it and was like, what is your problem? Like, why, what is wrong with you? Why don't you like me? And he, instead of actually telling me what the problem was, asked me if I wanted to get a drink with him. And I was so like taken aback. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> uh, sure. And uh, so we went out for drinks and then dislike turned into like and eventually evolved into love. And we ended up dating for about three, two, no, three like weeks. About three weeks. And then got weeks. engaged and uh, then got married just a, a little over a few months ago. Yeah. So you guys have mentioned that you live in Florida now. Obviously, we're not recording this in Florida. You guys are back home visiting in California, very, very graciously kind of welcoming me into your parents' house. Obviously, you've got your baby playing in the background. So if you hear any oohs <laughs> yeah. and ahs and coos, Sorry that's what that is. <laughs> um, it's a baby. Don't apologize for that. <laughs> You're fine for that. Um, I want to talk about life in Miami, though. Um, Miami and California kind of get compared together a lot. It's, you know, the, the livable climate all year round obviously very nice places to be. They're compared in a lot of senses, I think kind of unfairly, but I want to talk about your experiences with hospitality because they are two states that have handled things wildly differently. Definitely. And I'm curious to get both of your senses as somebody who worked front of house like you did, and, and Tanner, your sense working in the kitchen, especially with a lot of emphasis being put on keeping restaurant employees safe and you know back of house you know safe and things like that. What has the experience been like for you? What was kind of pandemic like for your sense from the Florida standpoint? Oh, man. Um, well, first off, I, I landed in probably the best restaurant you could possibly work at, not only work at, but also dine at, called Jaguar Sun. And I have two of the most amazing bosses you could ever ask for in terms of their patience and their forward thinking. And also in terms of just being aware situationally aware of what was going on at the time and how much uncertainty that we all faced, not only just like on the level of like losing your job, but also, you know, your health. Um, we jumped through so many loops. We changed our restaurant so many times, but always with the mind of keeping like us safe. I mean, we are wearing gloves. We have our face mask on. We bought sanitizer. We, uh, did takeout for a while only. And every, every day for a while for a good month solid, I would say there's new rules and new regulations being in place. And you're just sitting there stressing out. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to get, you know, food out to people? And every step of the way they made sure that they were on top of it. Every day we walked in, they had a game plan, you know, 
And uh, they even set one up, you know, down the road of like, let's say we reopen and we can only eat outdoors or only do takeout. Like, what kind of food are we going to serve? What kind of menu are we going to have? Uh, how are we going to people safe? Are we going to, you know, put tape on the ground, make sure everyone stands six feet out? Or are we going to do only drop-offs or only pickups? So, I mean, that whole process was just crazy. And that, that was just like the start of it. And I, I guess that would just start there. It was... I mean, you. so first of all, it should be noted that you guys are in Miami, and Miami is probably one of the cities in Florida, and you can probably obviously confirm or completely debunk this, that did handle the pandemic at least a little bit differently. Uh, obviously, a lot of Florida basically just kind of opened up right away. I had um, former Orange County chef Zach Gearson on the show a bunch of episodes ago at this point when it was probably summer of 2020, talk about how he went out and basically everything was open. And it just was like nothing ever happened. Miami did hold it at least a little bit differently. And you were telling stories that I kind of hope you'll retell on here about basically not just working a restaurant during this, but your restaurant, you guys were going through times where you were basically setting up an entire restaurant for service and breaking it down. We still Stoves do and all. You're still doing we're that. Still doing that right now. Yeah. Will you, so for the people obviously who are not in Miami, <laughs> will you describe what that process is like? Like what does your workday look like? My current workday is roughly about a 10 hour to sometimes 16 hour day, depending on how busy we get now. Before this all happened, we weren't really sure what to do. And the only solution to make these things work was opening a location that was a warehouse that was being used as a pop-up location. And we had some built-in fridges. We had a bar that was recently built in. And every day we walk in and we pull out our fridges, we pull our proteins out, from downtown, which is our original location, and uh, we drive them up there. We go back and forth. We spend about a good 40 minutes of the day driving up and down, running produce, whatever we need. We uh, clean all of our plates right before service and right after service. We uh, set up our, uh, we have a pizza oven that we have to start every day, and we have a fire grill that we have to start every day. And then the next day we come in, that's the first thing we do, we clean it. Um, we pull our low boys, our fridges out and we get the line ready. We sweep, we sanitize everything. We sanitize our tables. I mean, it's, it's a whole process. You think about like before you could walk maybe 10, 15 feet, you hit the nearest fridge to put away whatever you need to put away. And instead we're walking to a warehouse, which is, I don't know, good two minute walk, five minute walk. And then that's just a store for overnight from when we're open from Thursday through Sunday. And the entire week, we're down at our other location prepping from Monday through Wednesday, getting that ready in downtown, and then driving it all the way back up. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so a little bit more work. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of work. I mean, we, my owner, both our owners work very hard every week. Most of them are working seven days a week. Sous chef is working a lot, way too much sometimes, but... As, as somebody who cooked out here in Orange County and is very familiar with the way that things have kind of been run in California as far as you know, regulations and COVID-19 dining, compared to kind of what you're having to do day in and day out in Florida, is there a scenario of which one in your mind would kind of be easier? Would it be that fear of constantly being shut down out here or would you rather be open and have to basically you know, build and break down a restaurant every single time? I mean, you guys are doing stuff that you know, would make contestants on Top Chef pee their pants, basically. I mean, it's, that's, that's like restaurant wars, but every day. Uh, I, I think everyone agrees, mostly. I would say everyone would agree. You do what you can do. You make the best decisions for yourself. 
on a personal level, a professional level. And the fact that the team that I work with, that we can make this happen day in, day out, have the most restaurant-like setting sitting outside is kind of a blessing in itself. And the fact that we can do it is great. So we do it, not because it's easy, but we do it because we, we can do it. And not only can we do it, we can do it safely and still produce quality food. And I'm curious, Uren, because you mentioned that you have, obviously you work full-time as an attorney. Um, and there's a, a point of that that I want to hit on a little bit later, but you mentioned recently that you have jumped back in to restaurant life with at his restaurant. Yes. It, what a prompted you to do that? I mean, what fit of insanity would, would, would prompt that? And then B, just what are you doing? I mean, what have you just jumped in and just kind of serving or what's going on? So um, I guess maybe just kind of a little bit more background on the actual place itself, Jaguar Sun, um, not to be confused with Jaguar, which is another restaurant in Miami and Coconut Grove that a lot of people think the two are related. They're not in any way related. Um, so Jaguar Sun, the original location is in downtown Miami. Um, like he said recently because of the pandemic and not having any outdoor seating there, um, being forced to pivot that way they had to open up shop at this quote unquote pop-up location um, in Little River, which is about 20 minutes north of downtown in the ghetto area over town. Um, and like you said, it's just a warehouse that sometimes the warehouse owner would have food trucks and stuff come in there. It was not set up to be a restaurant space. It's still not set up to be a restaurant space, um, but we have kind of made it that way. So around May of 2020 was when they started opening that up up there. And from May until now, they've converted from being a gourmet taco place to being like fresh pasta to now being a steakhouse. And the steakhouse concept is what has worked. So that's what they've stuck with since about August of 2020. Um, I obviously have seen Tanner struggle through all of this over the past year and a half, all of the changes, all the bumps and bruises. And I mean, not that that made me want to come back to it, <laughs> but um, it definitely, you know, it definitely needs support. And his team is so small. They're trying to do something that is very challenging and very difficult and doing it with the small staff that they have uh, makes it just that much harder. And I've always loved the restaurant industry. Like I said before, I've been in the industry in some way, shape, or form since I was 16 years old. Um, and I, I do it not just because I like money, but because I like food, I like cocktails, I like wine. I love the people that seem to work in the industry, everyone who's drawn to it, whether you're front of the house, back of the house, busser, GM, whatever you are. Everyone has such a unique personality and everyone is such a special person and has such a great story um, of what they do and why they do it and why they want to be there. And to this day, some of my best friends are have been made either through the industry or being in the industry. Um, so I've always loved it. I've always wanted to go back to it. I've always kind of kept one foot in, so to speak, um, no matter what I was doing, because I just genuinely have a passion for it and I genuinely wanted to be there. And in January of this year of 2021, uh, their restaurant was particularly struggling. 
Um, luckily enough, they've been very popular um, and gaining a lot of notoriety in Miami, especially because we are one of those unique places who is completely outdoor and people feel very safe to go there. Um, so they've been having a huge influx of business and they don't have the staff for it. So in January, his uh, GM, front of the house manager, was commenting that they needed to find more service, servers because they're, the volume of, of customers and, and guests is just too much for the two or three servers that they have to handle on a nightly basis. And I was like, I have Friday and Saturday nights free. So <laughs> if you guys want help, you know, I'm willing to come on down. And um, they graciously took me up on it. And so since the middle of January, I've been back there serving and uh, being the fourth server on their team and helping them out. And I think it's, it's been a positive change for them. So helping out for as long as I can, loving getting back into it. Um, definitely challenging, like you said, having to break down and set up the restaurant literally every day. Um, we only do dinner service and we only do service Thursday through Sunday. Um, the restaurant's closed on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But the days that we do do service, you have to bring out all of the picnic tables. You have to bring out all of the round tables. You have to bring out all of the chairs. You have to sanitize them. You have to sanitize the tables. You have to uh, repolish and sanitize and roll all of the silverware. You have to <laughs> help them with their dishes in the kitchen, bringing their stuff out and basically rebuilding their kitchen from scratch every day. You have to sanitize all the bathrooms. We don't have bussers. We don't have, um, you know, a cleaning crew. We don't have that kind of staff. So that all falls on us to do that. Um, and doing that every day is, is a lot of work. I, out of all the restaurants that I've ever worked in, it's definitely a challenging spot to be in, but it's been very rewarding. Does it feel like a restaurant or does it feel like a pain in the ass pop-up? Well, it, <laughs> now it feels like a real restaurant. You, you come in. And we have a beautiful tree that sits in the middle of it. And I would say it covers up about 40% of the whole restaurant that you look at. And it has lights on it. You have the uh, grill that's just like, you know, wood fire grill. Can't hate on that. You smell it. You see it. And you're in an enclosed compound where we have walls high enough not to be able to see the streets or anything around you. And all you can see are the other tables next to you. And you feel like you're sitting down in a restaurant. I mean, you're still six feet away from the closest person next to you. But you're six feet away, enjoying a high-end cocktail, enjoying a very high-end steak, enjoying this atmosphere that we have created where we have DJs that come in and play. You're here with your friends. And if you come in with large parties, that's great. We can split you up, get you semi-close to each other. You can wave at each other. And uh, <laughs> I think people enjoy themselves when they come in. They forget about what's going on, which is great, but still being safe, but they forget about the rest of the world. You forget for a minute that like you're in the middle of a pandemic right now. You forget that, you know, there's other worries out there and you're actually just enjoying yourself with your family and friends. You're sitting down having dinner and that's it. Yeah. It definitely feels more like a restaurant now than before. Cause I used to go as a customer before I started working there, obviously to visit Tanner and to just enjoy a good meal, which when you have a child under one year old and you're going out by yourself is hard to do. Um, yeah, I do want to quickly mention it's quieter in the background. We didn't snuff out the baby. <laughs> it just moved to a different room. So if all of a sudden you're trying to turning your speakers up, listening for a rattle or a coup, it, it's still here. We just, it, it was relocated to a different room momentarily by the very nice person babysitting. <laughs> so. uh, 
But yeah, so before it felt more like a pop-up, everyone was kind of running around with their head chopped off, trying to figure out how to make this work. And now that they've seen what works and seen that they're getting busier and that it needs to be more stable, they're definitely putting more restaurant practices into place, but obviously modifying them due to COVID. So things are still not looking exactly the same as they would before, but coming more to regularity. That's probably true for the majority of restaurant owners out there that everything was just kind of chaos until you finally figured out how to run the chaos. I, I want to ask you guys specifically, and this is kind of a, I guess, three questions in one. What was it like for you to jump back in to the hospitality world while you're balancing, obviously still working, you know, mother, wife, just running a life, basically. What was it like for you having her jump back in, Tanner, and all of a sudden now she's one of your servers? And what was it like for the both of you guys, you know, balancing working during a pandemic to help out his job? Obviously, you're kind of taking time away from yours. You got the baby to worry about. And the fact that, you know, for better or for worse, this is still a global pandemic. So I guess all encompassing, what's it been like? Wow. You want to uh, go first? <laughs> I mean, first off. This is like chess. Okay. Whoever gets to go first gets the advantage because then you the control right the narrative. Gotta make the right move. No, it was uh, amazing. I, I love working with her. Um, you know, we started off rocky when we first met before everything, but I mean, she's, she's amazing. She's incredible. Uh, not only as a partner, but as a server, it's just, she picked it up so quickly. She's in there so many times and she knows all of my, well now her coworkers as well and the staff, it's not like she was never not a part of it. And now that she's working there, it just seems like she kind of always belonged there. And so it works out really well, actually. <laughs> can't really complain. Um, family life though is very hectic, very stressful. Sometimes, uh, you ask your babysitter sometimes to come in at one o'clock in the afternoon or 12 o'clock. And then you try to tell them like, how do you feel about being here until two or three in the morning? <laughs> we pay our babysitters very well, might I add. <laughs> hence, hence the second job. No. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we started out with one babysitter and now you, build up to two or three more babysitters and you rotate them out and you know, you got family every now and then that can give you a helping hand. And, um, this just went from an interview with a, with a chef to an interview with like a GM for a pitching. <laughs> no, you got to rotate them out. Clean, keep your starter it's, fresh. It's crazy. Uh, you know, learning curves are tough. And like, I think the first two weeks we were trying to figure this out was just absolute bonkers. We didn't know how long we were able to keep this up or how we were able to do this and the logistics between like who's going to do what how we're going to get there or who's going to watch him on what day and that that's just like me having one job and you know having to watch the the kid and uh and her having now two jobs and also watching the kid that was definitely a clustering of things that we're slowly you know figuring out but you know we're there we're getting there we're definitely there now i would say very proud of you um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of juggling, which ironically enough, I'm really bad at juggling in real life um, <laughs> physically, but, um, it's, it's interesting. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be putting myself and all of us through this if I didn't really think it was going to be what was best for us as a family and best for, you know, me as a person. Um, I think we're, we're trying to do everything that we need to do to have as successful a life as possible. Um, so yeah, I work, uh, Monday through Friday, 
nine to five. Uh, before I was able to work from home, obviously because of the pandemic, everybody, all offices started becoming more virtual. Um, but recently moved on to a new firm where they firmly believe in going back into the office. So now I'm physically away from the home and I'm back at the office nine to five, Monday through Friday. Um, I still have to take Wyatt to daycare, pick Wyatt up from daycare, do everything to care for him that comes with that in between. Um, and then I work at the restaurant usually Friday and Saturday nights. Recently, it's been some Sundays as well, especially Valentine's Day was Sunday and was very busy. So I stepped in uh, and did some extra hours then too. So it's it's a constant, constant chaos of organized chaos of running around and having to know what's going on when, who needs the car, who needs to be where. Um, and it's, it's a lot and it's tiring and it's busy. I think we're both mentally and physically exhausted so much of the time, but, um, but it's, it's worth it. And it's ultimately what is making both of us happy. And I love working with him. I, ever since we first met in the restaurant, we've been a great team. We've always worked really well together. Um, it's nice to have that understanding of both the front and the back of the house. And I think that helps us out in so many ways and puts us in a unique position that a lot of people don't share both of those perspectives. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Obviously you guys are still living in Florida. Um, obviously you guys are still living in Florida. I know that we have talked outside of the podcast about the possibility of moving back to California, which obviously selfishly I'd love. Um, less humidity here. Just going to toss it up. Obviously the taxes we got to talk about at some point, but I don't know if I have enough memory on this podcast for that. Or, or if anybody listening has enough time for that one, um, coming back here and visiting, you get to see friends, you get to see old chefs, you get to see certain businesses. What's it like coming back and seeing kind of what's going on here and some of the places that are open or, you know, I should mention at the time that we're recording this, um, there's rumors that we are going to reopen for indoor dining that has not been made available yet. So at the time of this recording, it is technically still outside only or to go. Obviously there's places that are adhering to that. There's places that aren't, there's places that can skirt around that. There's places that simply don't care. What's it like growing up in the industry here in Orange County and then coming back to visit and seeing what things are like? We've been, let me preface by saying that we've been back, uh, and, traveling much to, I know a lot of people's dismay, they frown upon that, but we have been traveling and we've been fortunate enough to be back here to California during the pandemic, uh, th two times now. Um, and we came in December and then now we're here now in February. And at both times, the situation was different, vastly different from what it is in Miami and probably from the rest of the United States and the world. Um, when we came in December, everything was pretty much closed again. There was a, the full like stay at home order was back in effect. And there was like a very few restaurants that were open, um, for indoor dining or outdoor dining. There was like nothing really available. Um, so that was crazy to know previously how much restaurants and food culture and drink culture is a part of California life, Orange County life, and to not see that and to see all of these businesses, dark um, and having to not have the bustle in the streets and, and the liveliness going on was very strange to see, very abnormal. Um, so that 
that kind of saddened me a bit because it's one of the things that I look forward to most when I come here to share with family and friends and to be able to have that time away and that escape and have those experiences and to have that taken away um, was was definitely difficult. Um, but now that we're here in February, I mean, we only got here yesterday, but uh, much more things are open. Like you said, outdoor dining has reopened and hopefully they're going to reopen indoor dining soon as well. Um, so happy to see that that's coming back. Um, I'm glad that they're taking a little bit more time with it because California has been one of the places that's been hit harder by COVID. So the fact that they're taking the time to be safe about it and figure out ways that they can sustain the openness instead of having to constantly close and open and close and open um, is positive. But it's definitely not what it was before. And seeing how things are going to change and evolve given COVID is going to be an interesting thing to see. I mean, it's the first time we came back in December is definitely kind of tough to see because, uh, you know, you, you talk to your buddies 3,000 miles away from you and you go, hey, man, how's your day going? And uh, your restaurant's still open. Your restaurant was, you know, either doing takeout, moved to outdoor seating, moved to uh, we were doing homemade pasta kits to take home for a while. And then, oh, yeah, I've been laid off still. Still haven't had a job yet. Still couldn't go back to my job yet. Or my restaurant's still shut down. Or I can't find another job right now. Or, you know, they flipped and they're like, hey, uh, I actually got out of the restaurant business. You know, I'm, I'm done. Like, uh, got a family support and stuff like that. So that's that's uh, kind of an eye-opener. And it's just really grateful for what I have, you know. And uh, second time around, coming back, hearing that everyone's starting to get their jobs back being able to work more hours. Um, you know, people are still trying to be creative with their menus and being able to feel that like the, the culture is coming back with what people are doing and people are excited to be there spending money, you know, supporting the restaurant people. And like for me personally, like Florida, Florida has been pretty, well, has been open for the most part. And hearing about how long people here in California had to do takeout only. I mean, that would, kill me a little bit on the inside just doing that for so long i can't imagine like doing that even longer here in california and then like i've been fortunate with my group of people i've been working with is that we, we've been doing different restaurant concepts even though we're doing pop-ups and we're doing all this hard work you know to open up a restaurant and then break it down every day but we're, we're changing the food we're changing it to what we think is better we we are looking for new purveyors. We are like cooking better quality steaks. We are cooking different types of steaks. We are coming up with new menu ideas. And you talk to somebody, I talked to my buddy Mikey over here in California and he's just telling me that, yeah, I'm just uh, gonna hang out for the next four weeks and uh, take some time off and just read and wait till work calls me back so I can come back in and it's it's crazy, you know? But like this trip around, it's it's nice it's no more dark lights, no more. <laughs> yeah. Much more stuff that's open. And it's not just takeout. You can sit outside where, you know, people are making these accommodations for these beautiful patios that they're just putting up in the middle of the street, which is fantastic. And they're making it work. And, you know, now I talk to people now, especially my buddy and he's excited. He's like, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to, you know, to be cooking and serving food again. And, you know, everyone's starting to come back. And then I know this particular month is going to be a big month for California to push for indoor dining to be open which is fantastic. And I mean, hopefully it only goes up from here and positivity just keeps rising. The last couple of podcast guests that I've had on, uh, especially since the new year, it's kind of been in the wake of 
when things have started to reopen, obviously people have kind of gotten past the holidays, but one of the purveying themes that's kind of hit throughout is when folks are talking about what they did during those times off. You mentioned your friend taking four weeks. That has been something that a lot of hospitality professionals out here in California have had, whether you know forced on them or otherwise, where they've been able to take time off and work on that work-life balance and maybe do some things that they weren't able to before just based on the rigors and kind of the hours of the industry. With Florida kind of being what it is, obviously, and you balancing the job also um, from the legal standpoint, do you guys, did you ever feel like you got any time off or is that something that you're envious of where some of those people got to kind of reset and even if it was forced or otherwise and, and kind of hurt their situation, they at least got to learn a little bit, whether it's about something new or kind of about themselves. Is that something you feel you may have missed out on? I would say for me personally, I might've missed out on that if it wasn't for the fact that my son was born. Um, I took three, four weeks off when he was born and it's crazy how your perspective changes, not only just to have like time off for having a kid, but I think having that time off, I am envious of getting that time off and like looking at your life, especially with the restaurant industry and how crazy and hectic it is and all the moving chess pieces that you have constantly going back and forth. But also I think I'm also grateful that my team and I were able to keep pushing forward. And even though we didn't take the time off, I think it did help us rethink of how to do things. Either way you look at it, I mean, I think the restaurant industry has definitely changed. Whether you took the time off or not, it's just the event in itself has presented a, I guess I like to call it an opportunity to maybe slim down some of the things that we were not doing right, especially with family time, time off, um, realizing that restaurants could, you know, things that you're doing before needs to be a little bit more efficient. Um, and I think that's going to be different for everyone especially now. I mean, who knows what we can do with what we have because we were definitely for the most part, most, most of California from what everyone was telling me that so much was taken away from them in one go and they were left with nothing except just their own thoughts. And that really put in a lot of questions about who am I if I don't have my work with me. And what about you? I, I was a little disappointed uh, at some points, just a little bit, that Tanner didn't get to have more time off. Um, it would have selfishly as much as, you know, it's great to have work and it was good to have stable work that wasn't as affected as some other places. Um, it would have been nice to have a few free weeks to, you know, take a vacation or have to not worry about, you know, being home late hours. But I think ultimately uh, it was it was a good thing and it was the right thing that he didn't have that time off because they were able to figure it out and he didn't he didn't really need it. He is very lucky and very fortunate to have such accommodating bosses. Um, I definitely give a lot of credit to them, a lot of credit to his head chef, Chef Kerry, that um, he really is trying to do things differently and trying to make his restaurant his restaurant and do things the way that he wants to do them. So if that means that he can move somebody to more of like a daytime prep cook role and they are not working seven days a week, he's going to do that. Or, you know, if somebody does want to work five nights a week and only work nights, like he's going to try and do that for them too. And when we've 
wanted time to come visit California and come see his family or celebrate a holiday, which in the restaurant business is normally unheard of to have a holiday off, especially a major one like Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, he's found a way to make it work for us and make that happen. So I think if it wasn't for that, definitely would have missed out on, on having that time off, but because Carrie is so great and accommodating, um, it doesn't feel like we missed much. I, my legal business never slowed down. So I was always working the whole time from the get go. Um, when other people's businesses and such were affected, mine was not, we switched very quickly to full virtuality, um, zoom meetings instead of in-person meetings, communicating via email, filing things online instead of filing them in person at the courthouse, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, judges were figuring out ways to have hearings telephonically. So we just kept rolling kind of as normal. Um, and I, I kind of wish a little bit that I had had a little bit more time and not always been so busy. But again, um, it take everything the way that it comes. And I think in the end, it was it was the right move and glad that we had the money and glad that we had the employment, especially when a lot of our friends and family didn't. Um, I just think that we're very lucky for that. You guys are both veterans of the industry. I mean, you, you know, and you've been working in it forever. Tanner, you are, are humbly saying that you've only been working a couple of years, but I'm, you, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> you're I've, getting there. I, I just like to think that I will always still be learning and that i probably barely stepped into it, which is fine. I'm okay with that. And then I think that's the way it should be. That being said, there's so many things that did change. Um, you know, Forrester otherwise, like you said, even, you know, the concept of your restaurant having to change over so many times. And there's so many things that have changed in hospitality. What are some of the things that you both have seen change as a result of the past, you know, 11 months? And are some of those things items that you hope stick around? Or are there things that definitely need to go away? That's a good question. Um, We're trying here. Yeah, I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) I got to really think about that one for a minute. That's a head scratcher. (laughs) Uh, Like Angie said, I've I've been really lucky with the group of people that I've been working with, especially my head chef, Gary. He has this vision of creating an environment of people being able to come in to cook good food, to be the best possible cook they could possibly be to learn, to grow. Um, Definitely, I feel like my experience has been very uniquely my own experience in terms of understanding of like, that's ideally what I've always been looking for in a restaurant and in a a chef that I hope spreads. But in terms of like a broader sense of what we're learning from this is that we're all in this together, regardless if we have a job or not. But I think I'm starting to see a bigger picture of what the future should look like. And, you know, the flexibility, the the thought behind doing certain things of making the restaurant more efficient, the thought process of understanding that like this could happen again, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to be prepared or not prepared and how are we going to react to it? Because I think now we're going to start paying more attention to the restaurant industry as a whole and realizing that like that is us. That's a part of our culture down here. It doesn't matter where you are in the United States or around the world. It's just like, that's just something we all share in common and we should probably treat it a little bit better than what we have been treating it because we didn't realize how important it was to at least to many of us, how as soon as that was taken away, how crazy people went for a minute. I mean, you're telling me I can't go down the street, grab a beer with my buddy. I can't go eat a nice dinner with my wife. 
you know, I can't go celebrate, go here, go there. And it's just like, it's just kind of mind blowing how part of that is just such a huge part of us. And we just don't really think about these little things. And I think these little things are kind of what makes us human. And what about you? I think there's been a common theme of learning to do more with less and that across the board, that's true in a lot of respects, but especially in the restaurant um, and especially at, at Jaguar Sun particularly, um, learning to do more with less has been a huge learning curve for us and is something that is a change that I think we should keep working on and should stay in place. Um, just as an example, to begin with, our bar didn't carry all kinds of like commercial alcohols, not a lot of commercial tequilas, commercial vodkas. So when you come in and you ask for a Tito's or a Grey Goose or, you know, a Casamigos or something like that, we don't have it. We have more craft selections. We have a smaller breweries, smaller vintages, all kinds of things like that. God bless you for that. And um, we, because of being at the pop-up location and not having as many fridges available, not having as much warehouse-based store, we don't bring as many of those selections, even though they already are a more reduced or limited selection because they're not commercial in nature. Um, we don't even bring all of those with us to the pop-up location on a daily or weekly basis. So what went from being seven tequilas to choose from went to being four and you know things like that. So when customers come in and they're asking for a drink and someone who is maybe so set in their ways that they want, you know, a, a Casamigos, whatever, has to be understanding of the fact that not only do we not have Casamigos, because originally we did not carry that to begin with, but now we only have these three very small tequila, you know, tequilas that you probably have never heard of. So learning to do more with this space um, when we don't have the capacity to support it and trying to make people happy and still give them quality products when working in that limited space is something that I think kind of has helped us. Um, it's allowed people to be, to learn more about what they're serving, um, learn more about the products and more the story behind the products and why we carry them and why they're special and what they taste good with and what they should be mixed with. Um, so I think that having those more limited batches is helpful because you are able to have a more personalized experience and, and get more personal with those products. Um, at the same time, customers and guests learning to be more cognizant of the restaurant industry itself and kind of being forced to learn more about that flip side of working in it versus being a customer in it. Um, COVID has forced them to experience that and has forced them to understand that. Um, it's It was never acceptable to, you know, come in and, and yell about something you didn't get or, you know, severely complain and curse someone out if your food came out cold. It was never, you know, culturally acceptable to do that. But even more so now having to understand, okay, well, you're not serving this because COVID or you're not doing this because COVID. Um, we can't accommodate a party of this size because COVID and stuff like that, I think the mentality should be to move away from because COVID and just because that's how it is or that's how it should be. And having people keep that understanding and learning to be cognizant of those things that maybe they didn't think of before so that we can give them a better experience and they can have a better experience 
um, is something that's important that we should keep working on. That's extremely well said. And I like that. You're right. It shouldn't be because COVID. It should just be because. So I love that. Well, look, guys, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Obviously, you have a small child that is somewhere in this house <laughs> with a parent looking after it, a grandparent looking after it that you should find. He's around. Uh, he's around. Right. Um, as well as a whole weekend ahead of you of stuff to enjoy and, and friends to see and weather, non-humid weather to enjoy, I should say. The temperatures are relatively similar. Uh, guys, this is so much fun for me to be able to not just sit down with friends, but people who have been in this industry as long as you have and have, have worked you know, coast to coast. Obviously, this is a Orange County, Southern California focused podcast. But as I always say, each and every episode, it can also go beyond. And this was very much a beyond episode. And I think getting perspectives from across the country, similar states or otherwise, um, just goes to show kind of how small the world can still be. So uh, my friends, if people want to follow you and kind of your adventures, social media, things like that, where can they do that? Uh, my Instagram is Angie underscore rice 19. Um, if anyone wants to follow me and see what we're up to, both in our work lives and personal lives, there's definitely a lot of Wyatt on there, but there's <laughs> there's a lot of, of restaurant and, and legal as well. Oh, that's great. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Biden my time, but time is T-H-Y-M-E. So nothing so, really posted so yet, but definitely so posting a lot of stories of a, you know, wood fire. So I love it. All right, guys. Thank you so, so much for the time. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the trip out here. Thank Thanks you, for Crawford. Oh, I love those people. What great human beings, great family, great parents, great people to have in the hospitality industry, even when they are forced back into it through work and stuff like that. Angie, you're out of your mind, my darling. You're out of your mind. Putting up with that boy and jumping back into serving. Oof. Um, I should mention right after we recorded that episode, literally probably yeah, 12 hours or so, um, Tanner's restaurant was actually shut down. The entire space that he describes in that podcast of the outdoor dining area was shut down. They were mid-service and basically inspectors came and told them to stop the plates and turn it all off immediately, which led to some disagreements. Um, but it just goes to show that nothing is safe nowadays, unfortunately. I will say that um, news looks promising for them. Uh, it seems like they're going to be able to rebound a little bit and kind of figure out their next step. But nothing in this world is evergreen right now. None of these interviews are evergreen. None of the news, none of the updates. But at least the experiences are there. And I'm so grateful for my friends for taking the time. It's nice to be able to sit down with them. Like I said at the very, very beginning intro, you know, this is a dictatorship. I get to kind of pick and choose the people that I get to have on. And I am selfishly so happy to have very, very good friends on. All these people I have on are good friends. But these are some very good family friends who get to tell their story. And that's the entire point of this podcast, for people to tell their story. I hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed the listen. Hope you learned something. I'll see you next time. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Aliso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. Alexander Cook, Katie Cassie, Serena Warino, Eric Lutz, Cheryl McCarthy, George Pavlov. 
Thank you for your support.